everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Caston, and with me, as always, is the super nifty Jonathan Strickland. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Jingle, 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 jingle. That's, that's, what, that's what I sound like when you shake me, because all I got is change <laughs> in my pockets. It is. Oh, I don't, one, I don't believe that's true. And two, uh, like, uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year. We are, for, for a lot of people, we are solidly into the holiday season. Yes. And uh, at least one of our stories relates to that. But most of them are actually we got a lot of creepy stuff in this one. And then we got like our big, big topic of conversation, because believe us, we are going to dive into some of the bombshell news that came out about DC. But before we get into any of that, we have a few shorter stories that perhaps do not merit a full discussion. So we have decided to put that in a segment that we're calling 30 seconds or less. It's a brand new segment that we've done like three or four times. And we often fail at keeping it 30 seconds or less. So let's let's see how we do today. Yeah, I'm already telling you this first one, we're probably going to go over because, well, I mean, we'll see. All right. As always, I'm going to put music behind this and the music lasts <laughs> 30 seconds, whether the story does or not. So I will start with the first one. And here I go. Okay, we got ourselves a trailer for the movie Teen Wolf. And I'm not talking about the movie from the 1980s with Michael J. Fox. I'm talking about a movie version of the TV series. And uh, it looks super dramatic. And I have no idea what's going on. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. So I'm just going to stop the timer now. But we can chat for just a second. So Ariel, we chatted offline. Well, really online, but not on microphone about how neither of us watched the Teen Wolf series, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie? The original I, movie? Yes, I've seen the original movie. I was hoping that this one would be a standalone like the original one because I enjoy Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, but watching this trailer, it became very clear very early on that if you do not, if you have not watched the series, none of this is going to mean anything to you. Like this is not one of those films where they try to make something that can appeal both to the fan base and to newcomers because I watched this trailer and at the end of it, I was like, I have no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much all we have to say about it. I mean, that's not to say that it's going to be a bad movie, just that Ariel and I got nothing from it because we don't know the source material. Sadly, unfortunately, but if you like Teen Wolf, the TV show, yay, you get more Teen Wolf. Yeah. Although I'm going to make fun of it later. So just be warned. Okay. So uh, with that being said, we're going to queue up Ariel. Are you ready for your next one? I am ready. And go. All right. So it turns out that Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was the Ghostbusters that was done by Jason Reitman, who was the original Ghostbusters son, uh, Ghostbuster director's son, a uh, writer's son. Anyhow, uh, it was really cute. It was like kids and uh, an homage to the original Ghostbusters movies. Well, now we're getting a sequel. It's going to be uh, helmed by Gil Keenan, who has worked on other things such as Monster House, City of Ember, and A Boy Called Christmas. So they're really leaning into that kid-friendly vibe, it would seem. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Good. Uh, you did go over, but only by a few seconds. 
Okay, right. a lot less than we did on the Teen Wolf. Listen. That's true. Listen, That's true. The only thing I'm going to add to that is I still haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I, I kind of wanted to before the movie came out, but then the more trailers I saw, the less excited I got. So I don't know how I'm going to react when I finally watch it. So I don't really have like an emotional reaction to this particular news about it, uh, there being a sequel. It's not super necessary. It's not groundbreaking, but it's a, a delightful love letter to the original movies. That's what I'll say. Gotcha. Okay. Well, here's my next story and I'm going to go. Hey, The Flash, he, he runs real fast. So fast, he's going to get to theaters a week earlier than we thought he was. Originally, the film was going to come out on June 23rd, 2023. Now it's coming out June 16th, which gives it a little more breathing room before Indiana Jones whips his geriatric whip around theaters when Disney releases that on June 30th. And I am done. Nice. Yeah, I, that was a little early. Um, still like kind of curious how they're going to promote this film, considering the problems Ezra Miller has been in over the With past. With a lot of Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, there was, there was a time where we were like, you and I were wondering for a while if discovery was actually just going to like shelve this film indefinitely the way they did mm -hmm. with uh, uh, uh Batgirl. But yeah, nope, this one's coming out, but uh, we'll have a lot more to say about DC coming up. Uh, Ariel, are you ready for your next one? Yes. And go. All right. So if you weren't alive in the 90s uh, or you didn't play video games back then, there was a video game called Toe Jam and Earl. And it was really weird. And it had a lot of like funky music and stuff. They, they uh, lived on a planet called Funkatron. Um, well, now we're getting it was a Sega game. Now we're getting a feature film from Amazon Studios. The people working on it also did Hotel Transylvania and... Um, the super fudge series uh toe jam and earl is ridiculous dumb fun i didn't think it needed a movie but i'm probably gonna end up having to watch it because my husband really likes toe jam and earl or liked like <laughs> well uh you know i i'm gonna allow that the fact that it went over by 12 seconds because you know tony really likes the source material uh i was not a toe jam and earl fan like i i do love video games Never got into Toe Jam and Earl. So again, um, this is the episode where we find out I'm dead inside. Okay. Listen, listen, that listen. The only, I don't mind that you're dead inside. I am going to start timing you so I can call you when you go over or under. <laughs> you're like, I mean, seconds, Ariel. I mean, I, I was six seconds under with the flash. All right. So we're going to talk about the big DC news that broke over the last few days. And um, the, at the top of it is uh, it kind of all started with news coming out that the third Wonder Woman film that was planned, which would have been the follow up to Wonder Woman 1984, is now effectively dead in the water with development halting on that, uh, which came as a great shock to the filmmaker and apparently uh, Gal Gadot hasn't heard yet, or at least she hadn't by the time the news was breaking. I mean, so it depends on how you read her tweet. Her tweet could have, because she was like, Oh, I really enjoy all being able to represent this character. And I look forward to the next chapter or my next chapter that could be read as a farewell as well. Quite honestly. That's true. 
That's true. Um, yeah. A lot of the media response has been that she appeared not to know, but I actually, I like your take on that Ariel. Yeah. And you know, I like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but I do find the, uh, the movies to be fairly flawed. The third act of the, I liked most of the first one, but the third act really, it, it almost dampened the rest of the movie for me because the third act was so mediocre or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I liked certain little bits of Wonder Woman 84, but I, I have Wonder Woman 84 high tops, mainly because the high tops look cool, not because they're Wonder Woman. But uh, but that movie was just not very good. Um, no, and there, there was, a, of course, a lot of people pointed out that there's a massive consent problem in Wonder Woman 1984 because mm-hmm. you've got a character who inhabits the body of another person and then engages in uh hanky and or panky and that kind of brings up a whole agency consent problem and where was that guy when his body got taken over and all that kind of stuff and that's icky and uh, brings up some real tough questions that are not answered in that movie Uh, but i agree with you about the first film too like i think we even said that maybe even in last week's episode that wonder woman's third act is a total mess i think it's in many ways, Wonder Woman and the first Captain America film have a lot of the same problems, which is that I, I would agree. Yeah, you got a great setup, but the payoff doesn't really work. And you almost wish that they had avoided putting a big bad in that first film just so that you could establish the character, have them fight against, you know, like no real names or anything just to show their heroism and then set them up for a confrontation with like a named baddie in the next episode. That's kind of how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after that news dropped, there was additional information that came out, you know, now everybody's speculating, speculating in DC. So it's hard to uh, fully suss out what is, what is fact and and what is uh, speculation or fiction or, or whatnot. And that's what our next stories on this are about. But, uh, at least one source said that uh, it wasn't just Gunn, Gunn and his partner's decision to drop Wonder Woman the third. Uh, it was also WB's decision because they looked at the script that Patty Jenkins wrote and they were they had some similar concerns as to the last script and, and some of the shortcomings of it and some of the character arcs and things like that. And they offered to let her rewrite it and either they were unhappy with the rewrite or she decided she didn't want to. So, um, you know, it, it's, it is definitely not a, a, a black and white issue of we're wiping the slate clean and bye-bye wonder woman. No, but that is kind of where the conversation went next, right? Like we had a lot of mm-hmm. people suggesting that, when Aquaman comes out, it's scheduled to come out on Christmas Day next year, that that will be the final film in the former incarnation of the DC extended universe. And that there will be kind of a a control alt delete reset. And that will be the the James Gunn era beginning where we will see new projects. And so there's been suggestions that Henry Cavill Cavill, Cavalier, that they, that his version of Superman, <laughs> Cavatelli, Cavatelli uh, you know, he's a great pasta. When Henry, you know, he he 
took to Instagram famously after his cameo in Black Adam and confirmed that he was back to play Superman and that he was going to play like this optimistic, hopeful hero, much more colorful than in past uh, incarnations in, in the DCEU. And now we're hearing rumors that maybe that won't happen, that that could be scrapped, that Man of Steel 2 could be on the cutting room floor and not be part of the next incarnation of DC. Maybe Henry won't even be Superman anymore. Um, it sounds like they're not going to have Jason Momoa be Aquaman anymore, but instead he's rumored to take on the role of Lobo if James Gunn gets his way. Um, What were you going to say, Ariel? So no, I was going to say I uh, interjection, because I think you're going where, where I, where the same place that I'm going and and things I want to say about that. But Jason Momoa as Lobo would actually be phenomenal casting choice. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, the so we're hearing a lot of these rumors, right? Like that uh, after the Flash and the next Aquaman film, that's it for this incarnation of DC and that what we'll get next will be something different, potentially with all, brand new actors cast in roles that, you know, other actors have been playing recently, which has got a lot of like the fandom up in arms because a lot of the fandom says, hey, you know, the real problem with these movies for the most part, hasn't been the casting, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that it's not the cast that most people point to and say, this is the reason why I don't like this film with the possible exception of Ezra Miller, who's not bad in the role, but whose behavior in private life is so atrocious that it kind of bleeds Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. Yeah. But the the problem is these, these latter things about, about Jason Momoa and, and not Henry Cavill, not Jason Cavill, uh, were kind of presented as fact, like, but they aren't. Um, mm-hmm. and, and James Gunn even came and said, look, <laughs> we, we just came out of a, a giant brainstorming, uh, session. Some of this is true. Some of it's a little true. Some of it's not true at all. And we're still figuring things out. And I think that's a really good response. Um, mm-hmm. I I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I I know I've said that before. Um and I also know that James Gunn likes to give work to the people that he likes to work with, people that he he enjoys the acting that they do or, you know, so it's it's it sounds wrong for me to say he rewards the people who do good work, but he, you know, I, I don't think he plays favorites, but he definitely, if if you do a good job, he will recognize it, you know? Um, yeah. And he'll, he'll cast you in the next thing. Like, yeah, we've seen that. We've seen certain actors like Nathan Fillion shows up in James Gunn's work a lot because he and James Gunn got along great. And, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit, not, not style wise or personality wise or anything, but kind of like Joss Whedon, who was known for creating, ensembles and then he would get attached to those and often use the same actors in different parts and different projects. Um, I have a feeling James Gunn is kind of similar in that way. He does kind of create ensembles as well. I mean, the movies that we know him best for in recent years include the guardians of the galaxy films and suicide squad, the second one, not the first one. 
And yeah. uh, both of those are obviously ensemble films. Things that, you know, I'm concerned about. I- I'm sure my concerns are unfounded because we don't know enough yet. But I I really wanted to see an optimistic, hopeful Superman film. And I really wanted to see Henry play that character. It was clear that was what he wanted to do, right? That he, he was yeah. truly passionate about it. And, you know, when an actor is passionate about something, they will give 110% to, to the role. And the mm. thought of getting like a genuinely joyful Superman movie uh, really appeals to me a great deal. I think I've said that yeah. on previous episodes yeah, and we both, we both have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thought of potentially losing that is very sad. The other thing that, kind of made me worry is that when the only news about what might actually come about is about Lobo and the fact that James Gunn previously directed Suicide Squad, I thought, please don't make the next incarnation of DC just a series of stories about anti-heroes. I, I, I mean, I said I, that back I when they some, first announced it. <laughs> yeah, I need some real heroes. I don't need just anti-heroes. Um, I need heroes being heroic. Uh, which obviously like it's challenging to write those films too. It's, it's clearly difficult to write a good Superman story because the character is so powerful and so seemingly without flaws that it's hard to create dramatic tension. And I get that, but I do want to see like someone who's inspiring rather than someone who does the right thing because it happens to be convenient. So I think we will. Um, just because the other thing that James Gunn said um, is that they want to do the right by the characters and they want to do right by the story. That is their first priority. And, you know, that, that makes me feel better because as someone who loves DC, but has honestly felt like DC has been failing in most of their movies, like, yes, please do right by the characters. You know, um, I so that that makes me hopeful that we will get the heroic people we're supposed to get. I also wonder how much of an actual, like he doesn't want to pick up. He actually said, you know, or the article said that they didn't want to pick up other people's scraps to create their universe, but how much of a clean slate can James, like you have to know he's passionate about it because if he is truly going to clean slate, everything that includes peacekeeper, Mm -hmm. peace, peacemaker, peacemaker peacemaker peacekeepers are from farscape uh and you know that's his baby and everybody loves it but it's got amanda waller in it it's got you know it's got a bunch of characters in it from the previous uh justice league universe that snyder created so you know if they can find a way to keep the good things and ditch the bad and still make something new i'm willing to forget the old stuff that happened um (laughs) Yeah, well, and then also it's also a little curious. It's not going to be a complete clean slate, as you say, also because from what we hear, the Batman, the Robert Pattinson films, that we're going to get another we're going to get another one of those. And we're also getting the Penguin series. There's also, you know, like the Joker sequel. So there's some stuff that it doesn't sound like everything is just coming to a screeching halt and being totally thrown away and then started over which just makes us even messier, right? Yeah, and especially since I I wanted to like the Batman, I loved the idea of like a noir Batman and I hated the Batman. And I haven't watched The Joker or haven't watched Joker because it's way too depressing for me. So that is Well, I 
refreshing. I, I wouldn't say go so far as to say I hated the Batman. Uh, I liked the tone. I liked the style. I hated that Batman was only a surface level detective. Like you could argue that the Batman showed Batman being the most detective Batman that we've had on screen. And I guess that's true, but he's not a very good detective. He, he does nothing. He, does the, he figures nothing out. He stops nothing. <laughs> he Yeah, no, that's another problem, right? Like he, by the time he figures something out, it's too late to stop it. And you're like, oh man, oh and, beans. And, and I understand like you need dramatic events and you need, you know, you need the bad stuff or else you don't have a story, right? You need the conflict or you don't have a story. But I'm just like, no wins in the entire movie. Like literally no way he has he doesn't stop a single dang thing from beginning to end even in the end he doesn't stop a single dang thing and you're right hate is too strong of a word i don't i don't have enough hate for this movie i fell asleep during it i fell asleep during the car I mean, chase <laughs> I, I i feel i feel like the fact that it is supposed to be set early early on in the batman's career you can at least make some excuses as to why he's not incredible he's not totally effective because he's still learning to be Mm -hmm. the batman that that goes a little way but like like i said like when i went into watching this movie i went into it having heard batman's finally a detective and when i watched it i thought no this is kind of like solving a riddle on the back of a cereal box but all the stuff that's more that's a one layer lower like all the real riddles that are one layer beneath the surface level, he can't solve it all. And uh, like, you know, he's relying on, on uh, Pennyworth, a Butler's tale uh, doing, doing stuff on the bat computer and all that kind of, and I'm just like, uh, this is not what was sold to me. The thing I get is no. not what I was promised. And so I was disappointed. I will say, I know you did not like their, version of the Riddler, but I loved it. I just, again, I felt I like Paul Dano and I love the Riddler. I just, I don't, I don't like the general trend of going Zodiac killer with the Riddler. I like the old school, uh, more clever and mischievousy. Like he doesn't have to be super dark because he's, he's, he's so confident in himself. Um, but that's just I, me. Yeah, I just, well, and I just don't think that would have fit in the kind of movie they were making, right? They would have had to have gone with a different villain because you can't, that kind of character would not work in the sort of tone they were presenting for the film. And the problem is that some of the other characters who are easier to turn into dark, gritty versions, we've seen them a billion times on screen recently. So you wouldn't want to do those either. Yeah, I, I will say I thought that Zoe Kravitz was brilliant as Selena Kyle. I thought John Totoro was amazing as Falcone. And I thought Andy Serkis actually did a really good job as Pennyworth. So there were things that I did like. There were casting choices that I liked. I liked Colin Farrell as Penguin, even though I didn't think they needed to put him in a fat suit to do it. Um, But um, yeah, there were things that I liked. I also like... I hope we get more Peacemaker. I hope we get more Suicide Squad. One of our mutual friends said that this season that comes out today, the first episode comes out today of season four of of, of Doom Patrol. Um, I said Suicide Squad. I meant Doom Patrol. Uh, that it's the final season. But I just read an article saying that 
they don't know. Like it may not be the final season. They're prepared to do more. It's just up in the air right now. I hope we get more Doom Patrol. It hasn't tied yeah. in with any of the greater universe. So there's no reason to scrap it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the challenge, though, right, is that we've already got a landscape right now that is disjointed and disconnected. And it is a stark contrast to the MCU where everything is interconnected, sometimes to a fault. Like you can't say that MCU's approach has been completely flawless. That's not true. See agents of shield. If you think I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) um, the inhumans, I don't know what you're saying. They never made an Inhumans. So, uh, <laughs> so which is just really just my way of saying Inhumans remains. I think that might be the only thing in the MCU, apart from maybe like a couple of animated things or shorts that I have not seen. I've seen everything mm-hmm. else. I finally even went back and watched the, the Hulk film with uh, Ed Norton. Oh, awesome. But, I didn't hate yeah. it as much as some people. I know I know that when they released it, like the first two episodes, I think they released it theatrically just to promote it. And then people were like, yo, this is bad. And then it kind of disappeared not long after that. Yeah, listen, I sometimes I don't know what's a good movie and what's a bad movie. I will admit Um, I I know that, you know, they don't want disjointed. They could just bring the current actors from Doom Patrol into the cinematic universe. Brendan Fraser is an amazing uh, film actor. So. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's clearly like his stars on the rise right now because the whale got such his performance in the whale got such good reviews the whale itself. I've seen mixed reviews on the film, but I think everyone has agreed that Brendan Fraser Fraser it's, it rhymes with razor uh, that Brendan Fraser mm-hmm. was phenomenal in it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and we just don't know, like, obviously we've talked about this quite a bit. And so have all the different media outlets. This has been covered numerous times by lots of different people. A lot of people saying the same sort of things that we're saying, but ultimately we do not know what, how things are going to play out. We do know that James Gunn said that not everyone's going to be happy with the changes, which that's just true. Whenever there are changes. Mm -hmm. As, as long as he is truthful and that they really want to, serve the characters in the story i think i'll be happy um the only thing that the only thing that gives me a little bit of reluctance is just the thought of having potentially yet another batman yet another (laughs) superman right like like you know seeing kind of a revolving door of actors playing these parts in a fairly short span of time gets exhausting okay but that has always been batman if you look at uh like the, I can't even remember, but like the Michael Keaton Batman and then the Val Kilmer Batman. And then the, I don't remember who the other Batman George was Clooney. at the moment. George Clooney. Yeah. So like it used to be that every Batman movie was a different Batman for a while. Um, well, the first two were I'm Michael fine. Keaton and those are the only two I acknowledge, but yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Anyhow, um, we've talked enough about DC to, to wrap that up before we get into the other fun things that are coming out that are geeky, that are not giant, giant conglomerate comic book things. Are you overly optimistic or overly pessimistic about these new changes? I will say this overall. I'll say this. I think it's a mistake 
to second guess James Gunn. He has proven to have a great grasp of how to tell entertaining stories that have an impact on their audience, which is something I think DC is in dire need of. So with that, I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm, I'm a little torn because I'm worried that our friend, Henry friend of the show, Henry Cavill is not going to get his chance to play the, positive, optimistic version of Superman. And I think that would be heartbreaking for him and heartbreaking for a lot of his fans and uh, heartbreaking for me because I was really excited to look forward to something from DC. Uh, not to say that things that James Gunn comes up with won't be worth looking forward to. But yeah, I'm, I'm I guess I'm just in a mixed emotional place when it comes to all of this. I do think whatever does come out will be very entertaining. Will it be what I want? I can't be so sure. Yeah, I am looking forward to Blue Beetle. So I've got something and to the current season of Doom Patrol. Uh, so I've got something to look forward to. Uh, speaking of, of things to look forward to, let's look, let's look into the forward future, uh, a future that's dystopian uh, and talk about the Last of Us trailer. Yeah. So we talked about like we, you know, when there was just the tiny little teaser of the the adaptation of The Last of Us that we saw, we didn't have a whole lot to say about it. But now we've got a full trailer, which gives us a little bit more of a feeling for the characters. Uh, It's interesting because uh, apparently the actors were told explicitly not to do a deep dive into the video game but rather to come at these characters from their own perspectives based upon the material. And I think that was the right decision. There's no reason to just ape the video game because you could just play the video game instead. Uh, Also the voice actors who provided the voices of the two main protagonists in the last of us are showing up in the series. So the voice actors get to be, you know, actors in the flesh for these. I almost said real actors. And then I thought I'm a voice <laughs> actor. I would be insulted if someone said that I'm not a real actor. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it, the, the trailer really is, is emphasizing the dynamic between the two protagonists, Joel and Ellie, and that, um, you know, Joel's obviously very reluctant to take on this role and, uh, doesn't want to get attached to Ellie. And, uh, it, 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 it's not like the monsters are absent from the trailer. They're there. It's just clear that that's mm-hmm. not the focus. And I think that's exactly the right choice. What did you think? Um, I, I agree with everything you said. I honestly, it was weird because I know how, though I have not played them. I know how dark the games are. I know how upsetting they can be at times. I, I honestly felt it was, it looked fun. It looked fun to me, despite the subject matter and it looked like it had moments of uplifting, which I never felt from The Walking Dead. So I'm, I'm, I am, uh, cautiously optimistic about this one. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, yeah, I like the fact that we see Nick Offerman as a survivor because if there were ever an apocalypse, we know that he would be <laughs> one of the ones to make it through. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It just he'd be he'd be carving canoes for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I don't remember though. Have you seen how much this costs costed versus Rings of Power? Do you know which one won the battle for being the most expensive TV show? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't followed that up. And uh, uh, considering the fact that we're now in an era where streaming services are starting to have to reckon with how they make money versus how much money they pour into productions, I'm not sure that that's a figure that anyone's going to be bragging about anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even Disney is having to to look at that uh, now, uh, but we won't get into that. Instead, let's talk about more streaming services and more high budget productions. Ugh, I'm not knocking them as an actor. I want to be a part of all of them. Um, <laughs> to, yeah, because it's fun to tell a story that has so much in like literal investment in it in every area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we finally got a full trailer for The Witcher Blood Origin. And Jonathan here is comparing it to Son of Seven Samurai. Yeah, so Son of Seven Samurai was an episode of Large Nardron Collider, the video series, oh, yes. where yes. Ariel and I stood shoulder to shoulder, my shoulder a little lower than hers because Ariel's a giant, and we uh, we went through seven different films that were inspired by Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. You know, everyone knows Magnificent Seven, the Western, was clearly influenced. It was like a, a retelling of seven samurai, but set in the old West. And in this trailer, like I wasn't expecting that for the witch blood origin, but as I'm watching the trailer, they're like, you know, seven strangers banding together to fight <laughs> off a tyrant. And I thought, Oh my gosh, it's yet another seven samurai movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know what though? I'm not mad at it. Honestly, I, I felt like I followed the trail, the story in this trailer better than anything in the witcher thus far it looks fun it just looks fun and good to me and it's mm -hmm. a mini series so yeah, it's not it, gonna go too long it looks like it looks like the characters are given enough time to actually have distinct personalities too which is good because you mm -hmm. know obviously that can be an issue with a lot of fantasy films like you look at some fantasy like for example not that I've seen the movie, but the trailer for the live action Dungeons and Dragons movie, it was kind of hard to say like what each person's personality was beyond that's clearly a fighter. That's clearly a bard, right? Like mm -hmm. you weren't getting a whole lot of sense of who people were, but again, that was, that was like a trailer that was really emphasizing like the magical and action parts of it. Maybe the movie is different. This, I felt like, oh, it feels like each of these characters actually has a story behind them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm. This is one I'm looking forward to. What about you, Jonathan? You know what? Uh, I'm looking forward to this one too. I uh, I have only played a little bit of The Witcher games, and I haven't watched any of the series. I just and I've never read the novels. I might as well. I should have started with that. I haven't read the novels, so I don't have an attachment to the source material, and therefore I don't have any expectations. I don't. I don't really anticipate what the story they're going to tell is. I'm assuming based upon the trailer, because enough hints are dropped where it sounds like this is the way it works, that this is the story of how the Witcher, as in like the species of the Witcher was created because as, mm -hmm. as anyone who has played the games or has seen the series or read the books knows a Witcher is a kind of a monster human hybrid bred to hunt down and kill monsters, but is not entirely human themselves. Yeah. Something I will say I really like about the Witcher series is that they're, 
the way that they cast, I think, is really great. It's very diverse. And and not, I'm not just ta- talking, you know, ethnicity, uh, ethnically. Like, they cast all body types. They cast all um, abilities. So they've, they cast people who have, um, you know, who, who have, would be considered to have a disability. Um, all over. It's, it's just all of these wonderful characters. And I think it's, it's and they don't cast just pretty people. I really like it. Um, from that yeah. aspect. Yeah, no, that's great because like I do get a little tired of seeing productions where it's everyone is unspeakably beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just like cuz uh eventually you get to a point where you're like, "Well, I don't feel any connection to this because I only know like one or two unspeakably beautiful people. Like there's one that I podcast with each week." And then there might be another one that I know or two I know, but otherwise like most of the people I know, you know, they're, they're normal level, beautiful. But, uh, and then I got a a few people I know who, you know, maybe beautiful would be a stretch, uh, present company, myself included. And then, and then you've got like, then you get some real stinkers out there, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see films have more representation. Honestly, any time that I hear a story where someone who has never seen the kind of person they are represented on film have that change, it is such an, an incredible realization that I'm like, oh, this is addicting. We got to do this for everybody. Like as yeah. a white guy, I had no shortage of representation in movies. Like literally I could go back and watch practically ever every movie ever made up till now. And I'm pretty good <laughs> except for a few like films that were made for specific groups. So having that become something that could be considered the norm for everybody, I think is really exciting. I, I agree. I agree. Something else that is really exciting uh, is that we're getting a new three musketeers. Uh, this one is in French, uh, uh, and uh, je ne parle uh, français. Don't That's do not your... how you say it. Je ne parle pas français. Je ne parle pas français. Oui, uh, oui. Normally, I say je ne spreken de espagnol because. Yeah, I thought that's what you were going to do. Je parle français un peu, mais I will speak in English for the rest of this bit, <laughs> and I will drop Claude. the accent. Um, Clara, I'm so sorry. I I know you're listening to this episode. Uh, Jonathan's French accent is special. <laughs> yeah, no i i played a I played a French villain at the Renaissance Festival one season, and everyone's like, "You sound like you're trying to be a Quebecois fur trapper." And I'm like, "It works for me." And so, uh, anyway, yeah. So we we're getting this this new film adaptation of the Three Musketeers. It is in French, as Ariel said, uh, and it looks very like kind of like gritty and dirty it's not like it's definitely not like the disney version where everything's really no. flashy and colorful um a lot more muted colors uh a lot more kind of grounded violence in it um but when i was watching it i was sitting there thinking this looks like it's a faithful adaptation of the original novel and for that reason i am very excited to see it because a lot of the adaptations you see take incredible and often bizarre liberties with the original story. And almost all of them make everybody 10 times flashier than they actually were in the book. 
And while that's fun, and I don't blame anyone who really loves the Disney version, because I know there's tons. I think Ariel, I think you love the Disney version. I love um, it. I, I, uh, I like it fine. <laughs> Listen, I'll it, tell you what my I can are, tell you what my favorite part is. That's easy. What is your favorite part, Jonathan? Tim Curry plays the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty fantastic. Listen. There are many adaptations that Disney does where I'm like, oh, they changed the story. This is one of the, and, I, and I'm not happy with it. This is one of the ones where I thought it was still a fun story. That doesn't mean I dislike the original. It's just I can enjoy, just like the old BSG and the new BSG, I can enjoy them for the separate entities that they are now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Ariel's, you- Ariel's far more uh, egalitarian than I am because I refuse to this day to acknowledge the quote unquote new BSG. <laughs> <laughs> But I I will say something. You said that this trailer looks grittier and darker, and I agree with you. But at the same time, it still looks fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. love that. Yeah, There's a lot of dark and gritty stuff where you're like, no. (laughs) Right, right. It doesn't look like it's depressing, right? It still looks like it's an adventure story. It just looks like it's an adventure story that's more grounded in reality than what we typically see with Three Musketeers adaptations. Like I said, it's not as flashy or as colorful. But then when you think about the time period and that's being represented, you know, the early 17th century, uh, you wouldn't expect it to be flashy and colorful. So I think that the choices being made reflect kind of the historical period a little better than what we usually see. Mm -hmm. And it does still look like it's going to be a really fun kind of exciting kind of movie to watch. It will be, the kind of movie where I will need subtitles because I do not speak French well enough to be able to keep up. Uh, so that will make it a bit of a challenge because any fast action movie where there's subtitles means I'm going to miss stuff because <laughs> I'm I'm not the fastest reader in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one that I will not be watching with my partner because he does not like reading subtitles he will but he does he doesn't even like it when you're like listening to english on the tv and the subtitles are up um darn him and his good hearing uh but if you like grounded and truth if you like grounded and truthful (laughs) stories jonathan you're gonna be so happy that carrie kelly garrett who used to work for disney is now the vp of development at hallmark talk about grounded stories (laughs) We're going to get those gritty, realistic Christmas rom-coms I've been begging for every year. Uh, I would say that Hallmark has sort of almost, it's certainly a meme, if not an outright joke, at the number of holiday films Hallmark churns out each year at this point. I want to say like a couple of years ago, it was topping like more than 30. So you had literally more than one per day of of December that was coming out. Um I'm not sure how many there there are for this season, but yeah, they've brought Kelly Garrett over who had worked on a lot of honestly holiday films for Disney over the past Mm -hmm. few years. And now she'll be heading up development at Hallmark, which does more than just the holiday stuff. It's just, that's what I always associate Hallmark with because it's inescapable once you get around Thanksgiving time in the United States. Listen, the number of people, the number of like, grandparents and parents and and you know in-laws that i've had that 
really just find joy in watching a long string of similarly happy Christmas movies at the holidays and, and love Hallmark Christmas movies. I appreciate that. I appreciate that that's there for them. I, Hey Hallmark, you should cast me as your uh, quirky next door neighbor in one of your Christmas movies. Cause I love you. Um, <laughs> well, is it, now, is it, is it Hallmark that does essentially 80 different variations on Either you have woman has to leave her high paying job in the city to go to some place in the country, ends up encountering a local uh, hunky business guy. They have a misunderstanding, but ultimately it leads both to her falling in love and growing a new appreciation for Christmas. Or it's the other way around where local business owner woman in a small town is irritated because big business hotshot guy from the city has just moved in, but then they end up falling in love, have a misunderstanding reconcile, and he develops a new love of Christmas. Is that the the basic premise for like all the Hallmark movies? Yes. I mean, no, they, they have tried to get some more <laughs> diversity in the stories. There's also the family one with like the 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 mom or dad with kids who's widowed or a widower. Um and and you know, and then they find stuff. It, yes, it it can be a little bit formulaic. Some of them are fun. Some of them are very hard to watch. Like, um, what was it? It was there was one that was like a play on sense and sensibility or pride and prejudice. Oh, it was Unleashing Mr. Darcy. And it was basically a Jane Austen novel, but at a dog show. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, now Hallmark's not the only, there's another, there's another property that does them as, as well, but you know, they can be fun. I know that, um, that I think Justin McElroy has done spoofs on Hallmark movies at some of their shows before. And I think it's really funny. So one thing I wanted to add before we, we move on, I have a, so I haven't watched a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. I've seen some, but um, uh, here in Atlanta at dad's garage theater, which is a local theater, mostly known for improv. Uh, they had a, uh, a show called y'all Mark <laughs> where they brought on Topher Payne, who actually has written for Hallmark <laughs> and actually knows like, like the do's and don'ts of writing a Hallmark holiday movie. Like he actually has, the guidelines that you have to do. And then uh, a husband wife team of Kevin and Amber, Amber Nash, who, who voices Pam on uh, Archer, they would do an improvised Hallmark movie. And Topher Payne would act as kind of a narrator slash director. And anytime they would do something that absolutely would never happen in a Hallmark movie, he would stop them, give them notes, and they would have to go back and redo the scene. <laughs> so that they weren't violating Hallmark's rules. And I thought it was one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. That is rather fantastic. I'm sad I missed that. Yeah. If they ever do it again, I'll make sure I give you a shout so that you can come and check it out. Uh, something I'm curious if you will check out though, Ariel is the pale blue eye, which is a, a hup, upcoming of uh, a upcoming and upcoming hup. horror slash murder mystery kind of film. And one of the characters in it is Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be really atmospheric. What did you think of the trailer? Um, I, I thought it was so weird. 
because I like Edgar Allan Poe. I, I know I don't like a lot of scary stuff, but I, I like some Edgar Allan Poe. I was one of my first prof- one of my first professional gigs as an actor was a school show called the Edgar Allan Poe Show. I had to memorize the Cask of Amontillado and Annabelle Lee word for word. Woof. It's weird to me because it's also like kind of a period, maybe mid Midwestern setting thing. I don't know. It just, it, fe- it feels weird. It feels like they mashed up a bunch of stuff, which I should like, but it's, if I understood the premise, it's Edgar Allan Poe has to infiltrate as kind of like a secret agent to figure out who done a murder. Yeah. It's weird. That's a weird concept to me. He's not even the main detective. He's actually kind of acting as a spy on behalf of the main detective. Uh, I thought it looked really fascinating. It kind of looked to me like, like the sort of thing I was hoping Sleepy Hollow would be. (laughs) But I found Sleepy Hollow to be a little too over the top, like, and uh, ridiculous. This doesn't look like it. This does not have that tone at all. This does not look like it's at all campy or anything like that. It is an odd thing to have Edgar Allan Poe as your as a character in this, but it doesn't like again, it looks like it's grounded, which it's it's hard to put those two things in your head at the same time. And I'll tell you why it's hard for me. Do you know what I had to watch immediately after watching this trailer because I just felt compelled? What? Epic rap battles of history, Edgar Allan Poe versus Stephen King. Oh, that's such a good one. That's such a good one. It is a re- I, it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of my one of my friends actually got to to do a little bit of stuff with one of the ERB guys. I will say it, it it's probably completely my fault, um, and only partially because I watched it at one point two five speed. Uh, watched the trailer at one point two five speed, but uh, <laughs> it didn't feel quite as grounded to me. Mainly because many of the times that they showed Edgar Allan Poe, he was standing in the corner glaring like a sad boy. And uh, <laughs> well, that's kind of his thing, though, right? Like, that's kind of Edgar Allan Poe's thing. But like, it just I felt like, like here, Edgar Allan Poe, our bet, like it felt like an Animaniac sketch to me. Like they're here, Edgar Allan Poe, our greatest detective, figure out what all of our other trained detectives can't. And he just stands in the corner going. Um. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this, y'all. If we ever do merchandise for this show, I promise you we will do a T-shirt with Edgar Allan Poe's face on it with the with the words underneath standing in the corner like a sad boy. <laughs> I really do kind of want that shirt now, but I thought I, the cast. So do was- I. As soon as you said it, that's what popped in my head was a T-shirt with Edgar Allan Poe's face on it. It says standing in the corner like a sad boy. <laughs> yeah, they cast Harry Melling as Edgar Allan Poe, and I think that's a brilliant casting choice. He really looks like him. So mm-hmm. I, I think this actually I thought the movie looked really interesting. I I think I'm getting into murder mysteries, uh, really like murder mysteries that I think are have like an interesting take on them, like the Knives Out films fall into mm-hmm. that category. So I don't think all murder mysteries are going to grab me, but this one looks Kind of it's funny because when I looked at the two movies that I thought kind of would be mashed up to make this one would be Sleepy Hollow, which is mostly because of the literary connection and uh, a few good men because the murder involves like soldiers and stuff. And it kind of made me think of the trial scenes and a few good men. And so I thought, well, this is what you would get if you mash those two movies up together. You would get the pale blue eye, except 
uh, with no real trace of humor in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything else to say on that. I, I will watch it. I'm excited to watch it. I just, I might laugh all the way through it. So maybe I will watch it in a theater with nobody else in the theater so I can appropriately, um, earnestly react. Uh, I kind of want to be there just to get increasingly irritated at you, but, uh, cool. uh, we can do that. Something that I don't think Ariel will ever, you haven't watched any of Mike Flanagan stuff. Have you, have you watched house on the, the, uh, rather the, uh, house on haunted Hill or midnight mass? No, I've, I've done in, in my acting classes, a couple of scenes from house on haunted Hill, which were very interesting kind of as like a seed and study, um, lesson. Uh, I've heard they're very good. I've heard even that they probably wouldn't be completely too scary for me. I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, I will say that, it, you know, make sure you're ready to watch something sad because it, it lures you in as a ghost story, especially House on Haunted Hill lures you in on a, as a ghost story and it gets real, real heavy and sad as mm -hmm. it goes on. Uh, but it's phenomenal. Like, I don't say that to turn you off on it, but rather just to say you kind of need to be in the right mindset to see it because it'll hit mm -hmm. you. But um, anyway, Mike Flanagan, who has been really making these incredible shows, uh, has now secured the rights to do a mini series based on Stephen King's Dark Tower books, which I'm of a mixed opinion because I like Mike Flanagan's work and mm -hmm. I like the first four books in the dark tower series. You're, you're not alone. And then I feel like they get terrible. And so, I mean, I really just want to see him do wizard and glass. That's the only book in the series that I really want to see adapted. And it's the fourth one, but it's told mostly in flashback form. So most of the action in the fourth book predates all the other books. That's the only one I really want to see. But um, apparently Mike Flanagan feels very passionately about this particular work. Listen, if anybody can do it, it's him. I haven't read anything, but I think the first half of the first book, and that's just because uh, I got busy with scripts and I forgot to pick it back up. Um, I did watch the Idris Elba movie. And sorry. Um, yeah, that's that like everybody who I went with uh, were big fans of the book and were not happy with the movie. And I'm like, you know what? It's not a great movie. But having no connection to the books, it's not so bad. So but <laughs> which infuriated everybody. But it was interesting to see what a completely outside observance of that movie would be from people who really love the story. Right, material. right. Um, well, and, but and that being said, to, it wasn't great. Oh, I was just going to. I was just going to say that like that first book, the one you put down is not great. Like the, the gunslinger is not a good book. Uh, I mean, there are people out there who love the dark tower series and it's sacrilege to ever say that the gunslinger is not good, but y'all the gunslinger is not very good. Um, the listen, second and third book, second and third book are improvements. And the fourth book I think is a masterpiece, but the first one is rough. And also not like this is a crime, but it's clear that when Stephen King was writing the book, he had not really fleshed out the mythology for the world he was writing for. And mm -hmm. so by the time you get to the fourth book, 
there are things in that mythology that directly contradict stuff that's in the first book. Now I got the fourth book as a present, having never read books one through three. So I read book four first, <laughs> having no idea what was going on in the story leading up to the fourth book. But since most of the books told in flashback, it didn't really matter so much. Then I went back and got the first book and read it and thought, wow, this is like night and day in terms of quality. And also there were so many contradictions. Now he did subsequently go and like do an updated version of the first book where he brought some of the, the mythology more closely in line with the later books so that it doesn't contradict quite as much. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm of a, I just feel like it's good for people to be able to, to work on things that are passionate about. And, and I'm sure Mike Flanagan will do an amazing job. Uh, uh, I'm not super excited about this because I, as good a job as he can do, I can't see him making me care about anything past wizard and glass because I hated those books, the, the subsequent books so much. I mean, he might, he might be able to change the source material some, I don't know. I, I do know that a mutual friend of ours who I will not name, uh, started reading the gunslinger got to the part where uh the dude blesses his corn with his bodily fluids and goes oh this is a peeing on corn book close the book and never picked it up again um <laughs> yeah peeing on corn is what she said y'all there was no which i i just shortened to porn it's a porn book you know peeing nope. on corn it's a porn nope, book. that's not the same thing jonathan not the same thing <laughs> i mean in most circumstances not the same thing uh but I'm excited about a, a potential Dark Tower series where they can do something that's a that excites the fans of the series. I'm also excited for Stephen King's new fairy tale series, and I'm also excited for the Talisman series that the Russo brothers are in theory working on. Is it Russo brothers or is it the? It's not the Fairly brothers. Uh, no, so I. See, it's either the it's Marvel the brothers, brothers or the Stranger Thing brothers. I think it's the Stranger Thing brothers. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, the uh, the only other thing I'll say about it is I'm curious if Mike Flanagan will cast Stephen King to play Stephen King. That probably, probably it'll be it'll be like um it'll be like having uh oh what's his face um. Stanley. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, Stan, that I forgot your name for a moment. It's like having Stanley in all of the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think we should make this next story our last story because we're running a little long. Okay. So we have heard that, uh, that Rima Williams, uh, which was adapted into a movie in the eighties, uh, is going to be adapted into a series. Uh, really, it's the, the Destroyer books is what they're called. So Remo Williams, if you're not familiar with the concept, he's a cop. He gets framed for a crime. Uh, the government then fakes his death in the movie. He gets like really badly injured. And then they do a full like plastic surgery makeover of him. So he doesn't look like himself anymore. And they turn him into essentially a secret agent to do super secret government missions. Uh, the film is a fun action film. If you can just overlook the terrible uh, yellow face yeah. depiction you get as Joel Gray plays an Asian character, but otherwise is a pretty fun movie. There's also, a, a, there's also a healthy dose of misogyny in there though. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely a movie of its time. Um, 
sorry, y'all get to listen to me type for a second. Uh, you're, there's also uh, Kate Mulgrew's in it and Wilford Brimley's in it. Um, but it is cheesy and dorky and a lot of fun. But it's being done by the uh, one of the guys who did Better Call Saul. And so that makes me mm-hmm. instantly interested in it. Yeah, I suspect it will be much closer to the book series than the film we got. So, uh, yeah, should be interesting. Like, I don't think a lot of people have a deep attachment to the Remo Williams movie. I mean, there's some people who grew up with it, like me, who can quote it like endlessly, like saying things like, I want it. He's mine. Or you have to run very fast. Like those kind of lines, which are both Joel Gray lines, <laughs> um, you could, uh, you know, quote like those sort of things. But I think there are probably more people who are fans of the novels who will be excited to see these brought to life on the screen. I agree. I honestly didn't even know there were novels at first. Um, I also watched uh, Remo Williams and Hudson Hawk about the same time and got them very confused for a while. Wow. They're not at all. They're not at all the same movies, but I'd be like... Hudson Williams, Remo Hawk. <laughs> that part where Joel Gray starts singing, would you like to swing, like on, to a swing star? on a star? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hudson Hawk is another really dumb, fun movie. I was just about to say, it is not nearly as bad as everyone made it out to be because everyone was proclaiming it to be the worst movie ever made. Not by a long shot. Yes, it is dumb. It is, but it's dumb. It knows it's dumb. Like, the yes. movie knows what it is. The movie doesn't like try and pass itself off as being super cool and super sophisticated. It knows it's a dumb action movie and it just embraces that. Uh, and I think it gets an unfair rap because I think it's not great, but it is entertaining. Yeah. I, although warning, if you want to do a bad movie night and you want to watch both of those movies, do Rima Williams first because uh, you you need to watch them in order of entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if you mean that it gets more entertaining or it gets less entertaining. <laughs> I think if you watched Hudson Hawk first and then Remo Williams, you'd probably be asleep before Remo Williams is over. That's that's what I would say. Like, I like Remo Williams. I tried to show it at a bad movie night. It wasn't after Hudson Hawk. It was after something else. But the the something else was so bad and so funny that then we tried to watch Remo Williams and it was like, eh, this is more. Well, Remo Williams, I don't think of it as a bad movie. I think it's It's schlocky. schlocky. (laughs) It's schlocky, but I don't think it's bad. I think like there's certain movies from that era that I really like that. I realize one uh, later generations are going to have trouble connecting to it because the movies are, have a different pace, right? They're not paced Mm -hmm. the same way as modern films are. Uh, And two, Uh, There are some very unfortunate choices made in some of those movies that are hard to justify today. Really, they should have been hard to justify back then. It's just that people didn't acknowledge it or know any better, I guess. I think they knew better. They just didn't care. Anyway, um, like I think of Buckaroo Banzai as one of those movies, right? It's one of those films that Mm -hmm. I think is really entertaining, but I showed it to our mutual friend Shay and she was like, I don't want to ever see that film again and i'm like okay i mean you know i get it although john lithgow's performance in that movie is phenomenal it it fall i that one i think firmly falls into the goonies effect um but uh that that's all the that's all the news we have yeah but i've got a surprise ariel 
Yay, I love surprises. Yeah, uh, Ariel already knows this is coming because I told her before we started recording. But once again, uh, unprompted, I wrote a mashup. This is without a doubt. No, no, trust me. After you hear this, you're like, Ariel choosing not to do a mashup was the superior choice. I have written the laziest mashup I've ever written. And and it's probably one of the shortest ones, which isn't saying much because you know me. But here we go. Uh, This mashup has the title Teen Witcher. Teen Wolf has a problem. For one thing, he got out this morning thinking his life was going to be some sort of coming of age romantic comedy film, maybe with a light sports theme. He was kind of sure of it once he found out that he, like his father, is a werewolf. But no, things took a hard right turn at Dramaville, and now, like, there's drama all over the place. And so now he finds himself at the center of an incredibly complicated plot that, frankly, even as the writer of this, I do not understand. I do know he has a tendency to proclaim himself as the alpha, and when someone says, like a dog, he says, no, like a wolf. And then the other person says, so kinda like a dog then. And then Teen Wolf secretly sneaks into that person's lawn late at night and poops on the yard or Ew. something. Ew. Anyway, the real problem Teen Wolf faces is when a moody old dude moves into the neighborhood. The guy has moved into a, an old house that hasn't been lived in for years. He's this big muscular guy. He's got long gray hair. He moves a bunch of long duffel bags and long boxes into the house, but not much anything else. And he seems like he's pretty darn quiet and grouchy. And Teen Wolf has a bad feeling about him. Everyone says his name is Gary. So anyway, there's Gary one day. He's out on the front lawn. He's trying to get his lawnmower going. And Teen Wolf is jogging by, you know, in werewolf form. And Gary perks up immediately as Teen Wolf jogs by. And then Gary goes into the house. Now, Teen Wolf isn't really sure what Gary's up to next because, you know, Teen Wolf's jogging, which is an activity that will gradually take you from one place and put you into another place, unless you're jogging on a treadmill, in which case you don't actually go anywhere. You just kind of stay in one place. Before you know it, it's time for the big high school dance, and Teen Wolf is nervous. Should he go as his human self or in werewolf form? I mean, since he came out as a werewolf, He's been a big hit at school, but he kind of just wants to be known as the real him. He probably has a name and everything, but I'm so lazy that I'm just going to keep calling him Teen Wolf. Anyway, he's outside thinking over what he has to do when he sees Gary walking up to him. And he's like, hey, man, can I ask your advice on something? And Gary pauses and looks confused and then says, uh, about what? And that's when Teen Wolf sees that Gary is totally holding a big old shiny sword behind his back. Whoa, dude, says Teen Wolf. Did you come over here to kill me? And Gary pauses for a second and says, No. You were, you jerk, says Teen Wolf. That's a dick move, Gary. And the old guy sighs and says, It's Geralt, actually. And it's nothing personal. Seems pretty darn personal to me, Gary, says Teen Wolf. Well, from your point of view, I guess so, says Geralt. But... I kind of have to do it because, you know, I'm a witcher. And just then a car rolls down the street and comes to an awkward stop right across from where Gary and Teen Wolf are having this conversation. It's a really terrible 
parallel parking job. And now the car steps this teenage girl with long red hair. Oh no, says Gary. It's my daughter, the teen witcher. And Teen Wolf looks over and the redheaded girl looks at him and smiles. And that's how Teen Wolf met Teen Witcher. Anyway, what follows is your goofy coming of age romantic comedy with a light sports theme. At one point, the Teen Witcher casts a spell on her best friend to make her do a truly tremendous rap song that's totally not cringe. And anyone out there who hasn't seen Teen Witch should definitely go on YouTube and search for Teen Witch Top That so that I'm not alone in this. And Teen Wolf and Teen Witcher fall for each other, which is awkward because Gary totally doesn't stop trying to kill Teen Wolf, but he always has to abandon his plan at the last second when his daughter shows up because he knows she's never going to forgive him if he kills her boyfriend. And in fact, it's so successful that I'm sure we can pivot this into a Netflix miniseries and I'm waiting on your call, Netflix. You know where I am. I'm right here and I'm waiting. Oh, and uh, for the end of our movie, Gary sneaks up on Teen Wolf and he's ready to skewer him with a big silver sword. But then he hears that Teen Wolf is talking to Gary's daughter on the phone and Teen Wolf's being super sweet and supportive. And so Gary decides to let the kid live for now, because if I do kill off Teen Wolf, all hopes of that miniseries go down the toilet. The end. <laughs> I liked it. That was delightful. I love my surprise. Uh, it Were I to mash up Teen Wolf and The Witcher? What would happen is it would both be stuck, sucked into like a portal, uh, Scott Howard, Teen Wolf, while he is playing basketball and the Witcher while killing something and sucked into like this machine where they get spliced together into like a fly like abomination called the Twitcher. And then having nothing better to do, they would just sit online uh, being in the modern world, having no like fantastical monsters to kill instead killing them playing video games which both of them are really good at you know one's good at <laughs> games and the other is really good at killing so yes that would be my mashup well because obviously they have superior twitch skills right yep yep uh, i yep. i like your approach i think both of these projects can be developed uh, in parallel because we've got 14 different versions of batman so why not Yes, 14 different versions of Teen Wolf is what what the world has been clamoring for. Uh, but if that is, in fact, something you've been clamoring for, our good listeners, you should write us and tell us. And if it's not, but you've got something else you'd like to say, you should also write us and tell us. You can do that by reaching out on the socials. So over on Facebook and Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider on Twitter because that's still a thing as of this recording uh, we are lnc underscore podcast yes uh we are also on discord we are large nerdron collider there uh which hopefully will continue to be we're trying to figure out a brief server issue but that's also a great place to drop us a line so that we can see your comments and suggestions or the things that you're excited about um and if you like our show as always tell your friends rate review us share episodes all that delightful stuff we love having a large family of people to geek out with um and that includes all of you yeah and we have probably at least one more episode maybe two before the end of the year we haven't actually looked at the calendar to decide you know, how we can do all this because we're coming up on a very special time of year that being ariel's birthday so that's gonna obviously impact things because the world stops when this woman gets a year older and that's not true. yeah uh, 
I've noticed it every mid-December. So then um, we're going to look at that and see, because I'm sure we'll want to do at least one, if not a couple more. But obviously around the holidays, we'll be taking little breaks, so there won't be new episodes on those weeks. Uh, we have not had a chance to record kind of like evergreen shows to sit in those places, but that is something we plan to do in 2023. So we will also be recording kind of just discussion shows where we're just talking about something like maybe like a deep discussion about DC like we just did. We've had some great suggestions from you guys on some evergreen episodes to talk about uh, things that every geek should know or or, you know, our our opinions on various Disney stuff. So those will definitely be recorded and included. Right. Kind of like like our our thoughts on some must have geek properties to read or otherwise experience that kind of stuff. Like what, what are some of the basic tools that should be in your geek tool set, that kind of stuff. So yeah, any yep. suggestions like that we look forward to. And, uh, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess we should actually sign off until next time. I am Ariel, uh, sadly not Benjamin button Caston. And I am Jonathan. I don't give up if you want me to top that Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. <laughs>